Um, you're actually joining us this week. If you're visiting on week three of the series, you can jump online. If you wanted to listen to the weeks you've missed, uh, weeks one and two, the podcasts are available at connectwashington.org. And we're looking at what we can learn about being a good parent and impacting the lives of our children. So last week, if you were here, we kind of pushed back a little bit on, on culture that tells us that every kid should grow up successful. And we said, you know, we understand the success in the eyes of the, the world, excuse me, in which we live is a good education, a good career, good spouse, a home, a car, two and a half children and a dog. That's kind of like the American dream. You know, that's your, your average family right there. And we all want our kids to grow up and know that success. But we talked about the fact that Jesus teaches us that success shouldn't be the only goal. What about greatness? Because we feel there's a difference between success and greatness. Success is good, but greatness is another attribute that we as parents should strive for. We talked about the fact that John the Baptist, a guy who lived at the same time as Jesus, this is what Jesus said of John the Baptist, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there was not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Jesus was saying this was a great man. And greatness looks a little bit different than success. Greatness looks more at the attitude and the, the mindset and the morals. Greatness in the situation of John the Baptist was a man who lived his life pointing others towards Jesus. And we determined last week that that's a really good key to aim for as we raise our children. If we want our children to not just be successful, but to be great as well, we should be raising them and challenging them to live a life that points others towards Jesus. Now, unfortunately, when I embark upon a series like this, if you're like me, you can listen to a message like we had last week, listen to this morning's message, and instead of being inspired and thinking, yeah, I'm going to do that, that's how I'm going to, you, you kind of start introspectively looking at your own parenting, and you start thinking, man, all this is doing is reinforcing all the mistakes I've made. All this is doing is making me feel worse. And, and you know, some of us, you know, we, we're going through really difficult times right now with our kids. And it's very easy at times to look at ourselves and say, am I to blame for this? Could I have done something differently? And it's tough. And believe me, I'm sat right out there with you. I, I normally know what I'm speaking about for at least a week or a couple of weeks in advance. So all this week, knowing what, I've been knowing what I'm going to be speaking about this morning, I've been parenting. <laughs> and I've had situations just this week where I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and I'm going to teach on this on Sunday? <laughs> it's tough times. It is difficult being a parent. Parenting is hard. Do you know, sometimes this honestly happens in my life. I literally find myself in my living room dealing with some kind of issue with my kids. There'll be some interaction going on. And in the middle of it, I can just picture that Super Nanny is right there in the corner. She's right there in the corner of my living room. She's looking at me. She's kind of just shaking her head. And in the moment, I'm like, you know what? This moment right now, this will be on Super Nanny's highlight reel. This will be at that point in the show, if you've ever watched it, where she brings the parents together and she goes, now let me, let me tell you what the problem is. Dave, let's watch how you handle that situation again. And I'll be like, oh, stinking super nanny with her British accent. She sounds all so proper. Is, is super nanny even a parent? I don't even know if super, super nanny has kids. So, uh, but maybe like me, you're in this situation, you're like, man, when I hear these kind of things, I actually start thinking, man, I, I feel so bad as a parent. So this morning, before I go any further, I want to make you feel good. 
all right? Before we go any further this morning, I want to just help bring you back up a little bit and know, you know what? It could be worse. So this week, um, in getting ready for my message, I went onto Twitter, and um, I searched the hashtag parent fail. I thought, let's start right there. Turns out that Jimmy Fallon had already been here and uh, done some research on this particular subject. And uh, I came up with a few submissions to his show of um, hashtag parent fail. So read along here. If you're feeling pretty rough this morning as a parent, in about 30 seconds, in about a minute, you're going to feel fantastic. Because here are some submissions from real people around the world. The first one, Twitter, North Wingnut. He sent in a tweet that said, the guard fell off the clippers when my mum was giving me a haircut. She filled in the ball spot with a magic marker. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that was a great day at school trying to explain that to your friends. How about this one from Suburban Sublime? I forgot to fill the piñata with candy at my daughter's birthday party. <laughs> That's just such a great moment when it's like, yeah, oh. <laughs> Great job, Mum. How about this one? I didn't know my dad had shaved off his moustache, so when he came to pick me up from first grade, I thought I was being abducted. (laughs) Teacher, teacher. I love this one Um, from Mrs. Lauren Thomas. I put sunscreen on my four kids, but one came back burnt. Turns out I lathered one kid kid up twice. (laughs) They just move around. It's hard to keep track of them all, so... How about this one? This is a great one. My dad is a horrible speller. One Christmas, my sister got a present from Satan. (laughs) Santa, Satan, yeah. I often wonder if that's meant to be an anagram. Um, All right. I love this last one from Honey Boo. My dad told me the ice cream truck played music when all the ice cream was gone. (laughs) Parent fail, parent win. That's a great idea. Oh, sorry, kids. That that actually means they've run out of ice cream. That's why they're playing music right now. We may as well just stay here on the porch and just let it go on by. So So hopefully you're feeling a little bit better now. Hopefully I've brought you back up a little bit and you're like, okay, so maybe I'm not the worst parent in the world. Because we do. we, We look at subjects like this and we tend to look at ourselves and we get hard on ourselves. In our small group just this week, um, we were sharing stories, Casey and I, of of our own upbringing and some of the crazy things that our parents said and did. Honestly, we we realized as we were discussing, it's pretty amazing that any of us turned out normal. And here's what we realized. In our group, we had single people, married couples without kids. We have families with younger and older kids. We have blended families. But we can all learn something wherever we are because we've all been parented. It's affected who we are, and it's affected who we will one day become once we're parents, if you're not parents already. So wherever you find yourself this morning, there is something to learn from this series. You may be a family here this morning, and you're striving to be the best parents you can be. Maybe you're a single mom, and and you're doing the best you can, feeling like the odds are already against you. Maybe you're here this morning, you're married, and you're trying for kids. Maybe you're here this morning and you're trying for a spouse. I don't know. Um, Wherever you find yourself, maybe you're a grandparent here this morning and you think your time to influence kids has passed. You don't want to tell you grandparents here this morning. We discovered this week in our small group as we were talking that one of our members, he'd grown up in a broken home. He had divorced parents and, and there were always situations going on. But he shared a couple of stories of his grandpa, who he said was a solid, stable influence throughout his life. And what amazed me as we were talking in our small group is that 30 years later, he was still able to recount phrases that his grandpa had said that impacted his life. 
So wherever you find yourself this morning, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're an uncle or an aunt, you can impact the lives of children. And let me remind you what we talked about just a couple of weeks ago on Mother's Day on on how important that responsibility, how important that role is. You see, there was a man who lived by the name of King Solomon. He's he's slated to have been one of the wisest men who ever lived. He wrote in the Bible a, a, a set of proverbs, and this is one of them. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And I want to encourage you just to hear this morning, before we get into this morning's message, every one of you here can make the difference in the life of a child. This series is for all of us. We can all help steer kids onto the right path so that one day when they're older, they will not leave it. It could be your child. It could be your grandchild. It could be your nephew, your niece, your neighbor. It could even be one of the kids who's, who sat in these rooms across here or over to the side because you decide, you know what, I'm going to give some time. I'm, I'm not going to come to Connect Church and, and sit and receive every week. Hearing all about the importance that we can make in the, the lives of a child, that every child needs a church, I'm going to step up and I'm going to serve in Connect Kids. I'm going to give a week or two weeks a month where I can go in and just sit with kids and, and tell a story or pray with them. And it's a fantastic place to be. And just in case you doubt that, last week we took a little look at our K-5 through area. This morning we're going to take just a little look at what goes on, all the fun they have in our preschool area. So check out this video. Seriously, some of you, you could cancel your gym membership right now. I mean, there is a workout that takes place in there every week. That would be like great fitness, except for the one kid who was just kind of, yeah, chilling out. (laughs) He's like, I love kids' church. This is awesome. So every one of us, whoever it is, we've got wonderful adults who serve in Connect Kids. You may be a parent here this morning, a grandparent. All of us can have an impact in the life of, the ch- of a child. So this morning as we bring it home, this is what I want you to think about. You know, you may have heard it said that um, we're a product of our culture. Well, I think to some degree that can be true in our homes as well. That the environment and the culture that we create in our homes speaks volumes into who our kids become. Today, I simply want to share with you three super practical and super effective things that you can do starting today, right now, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, that will help your home be a base for spiritual growth. And just like last week, if I didn't say this, I should have said this this morning, these are, these are the ideals that we're aiming for. You know, we're going to fall short sometimes, but that doesn't mean that any one of us here as a parent or as an adult that influences the life of a child hasn't said, you know what, this is my goal. This is what I want to aim towards being and doing with my kids. So when it comes to life in the home, there are three cultures that I want to talk about this morning, three cultures that we can create in our homes. The first is that we can create a culture of blessing. To create a culture of blessing. Now when I say blessing, I'm talking about affirming the good that God has put in our kids and the good that he will bring from it in the future. You know, something you're going to hear said regularly in all areas of of Connect Church is that we believe that the four most important letters in the alphabet are I, C, N, and U. I, C, N, U. And you know, here's why we think those four letters are really important. It's because when we see something good in someone, when we see the potential in someone to to maybe do more than they're doing right now, um, we'll have these conversations. We'll have an I see in you conversation. You know, I see this in you. I see the potential within you to do this. 
So it's how we raise up our leaders here at Connect Church. You know, there'll be times where Justin, who wasn't here this morning, who's kind of over our, our whole worship area, he'll have conversations with the musicians and say, hey, I see in you the ability to lead a song. I see in you the ability to, to sing a song and to lead this song by yourself. And, and he's always looking to raise up new leaders, new musicians. Out there in Connect Kids, um, Alicia will be talking to her leader saying, hey, I see in you the ability to lead the large group today. And if you saw the video last week, I see in you the potential to do the running man on the stage in front of all of the kids. And you might be like, you know what? I don't see that in me. <laughs> so sometimes it's not the easiest conversation, but, uh, but it's that idea that we're looking for the best in people. And here's what we believe, that God has put specific good things within everyone. Any positive quality, any positive trait, any ability that is helpful and special and good, no matter what somebody does to develop it, we believe that comes from God. There's a guy by the name of James, and he wrote the book of James. And listen to what he said. He said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And every one of us has those good and perfect gifts that God has placed inside of us. And we, as parents, as adults, we can bless our children by taking every opportunity we get to say when we see what God has put in them and the good that can come from it. We have the opportunity to, to use phrases and say things like, I see kindness in you. I see intelligence in you. I see a real heart for people in you. I see my own dashing good looks in you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't have that conversation very often. But, but listen, let's not confuse this with, with general praise. General praise is great. And I think most of us as parents, we do this. You know, we want to do this. And the general praise is the, hey, great job, or good job, or you're awesome, or boy, a girl. You know, general praise is nice. But what it tends to do is make our kids feel good for a moment without any idea, any real idea of who they are supposed to become. You know, child psychologists and child developmental experts will suggest that a blessing culture leads to more of a specific praise, not a general praise. It's about being specific so kids can actually see what we see and not just feel good for a few seconds. So it might be a phrase, something more along the lines of, you know, I love your creativity. You are always thinking outside of the box. You are so respectful to other kids. That's going to be really important throughout your life. I love how inquisitive you are. That's going to make you a great learner. Or maybe a statement that um, I found myself saying just this week. Hey, following through on your commitment and going to soccer practice and missing the first half an hour of the dance, <laughs> that was the right thing to do. And you'll earn respect for that as you go through your life as an adult because you stuck to your commitment that you'd made. And saying that and that, it, it, pouring that blessing out on our kids and, and a specific praise, that's a great culture of blessing to create within your home. This is about catching our kids doing something right. Because let's be honest, we're always catching them doing something wrong. And we can tend to get stuck sometimes on focusing on what needs to change and what isn't right instead of having this overall focus in the home of the good stuff. You see, the home was meant to be a base of blessing and affirmation, 
not criticism and complaint. I remember being at a um, conference once, and they were teaching. It was a leadership conference. They were teaching on what it meant to be a leader. And this guy, he says, hey, I want to illustrate this morning an attribute of leadership that I want all of you leaders here today to learn. So he brought these volunteers out, four of them, and he sent them out of the room, and then he brought the first two back in. He said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to partner up, and I'm going to hide an object somewhere in this room. Now, you, person A, you're going to be blindfolded. You, person B, you're going to assist them in getting to that object. That's all he told them. So person A puts the blindfold on. Well, then person B is handed a rolled-up piece of newspaper, big rolled-up newspaper. And he says to person B, listen, I'm not going to tell this guy, but whenever he walks towards the object he's got to find, just let him be. But if he starts to stray away from the object, I want you just to tap him on the top of the head with that newspaper. <laughs> so he says to person A, okay, off you go. He has no idea what he's doing. He's just looking for something. So he starts to walk blindfolded. And suddenly he starts to walk away from where the item is and pop, back of his head. He's like, whoa. So he stops and he starts to walk again, still in the wrong direction, and pop on the back of his head again with this piece of newspaper. He's like, okay, I'm not sure I like this. Starts to walk again. So now he's kind of catching. He's like, okay, maybe I should change direction. Starts to walk in a different direction. No pop. Okay, yeah. Starts to walk away from the item, back of his head again. So this goes on until eventually the guy finds the item that he was looking for. Takes off the blindfold, doesn't look too happy, but he actually did achieve his goal. So then the guy brings in the next two people. He says, okay, they don't know what's happened the first time. He blindfolds the first person, kind of sets him ready to go. Then he gives the second person a bell. He says, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to send that guy off looking for something. Whenever he's headed in the right direction, I want you to ring that bell. Now, if he strays off to the left or the right, he starts to go away from that, you stop ringing it. Doesn't tell the first guy, the first guy starts to walk. He hears this bell ringing, thinks, what's up with that? Well, then he suddenly hears it stop ringing. So he kind of changes direction, starts to walk, it starts ringing again. And after a while, he catches on to what's going on. Bell rings, right direction, bell stops ringing, wrong direction. So before you know it, he's found the item as well. Takes off the blindfold, picks it up. So the guy brings up the two people who are blindfolded, and he interviews them in front of all of us. He says to them both, now, what was the object of this exercise? They said, to find that item. He says to them both, did you find the item? They both said, yes. So he says, so we accomplished the goal in both situations. Yes. So he said to the guy with the newspaper, was it fun? How did you find it? He goes, miserable. I hated it. He goes, I was like cowering. I knew that any time I did something wrong, I was going to get a pop on the back of the head, you know. And, and yes, I accomplished the goal. I got it, but I did not enjoy it whatsoever. He says to the guy with the bell, what did you think? I loved it. He goes, the closer I got, the more excited I got because the bell was ringing. It was getting louder and I was getting closer. And it was just, it was a really fun experience. And, you know, he was using that illustration to talk about leadership. But ever since being a dad, I can't stop thinking about that in the way that I parent my kids. Because, let's be honest, parents, some of us actually do have a rolled-up newspaper. And we use it. You know, there's there's times where it's like, okay, you did something wrong. and, And we're very quick to punish and to discipline. But how quick are we to ring the bell and praise and say, hey, great job. You did really well there. They're both directing our kids to the same goal, but one has a very different um, outcome than the other. You know, this culture of blessing, if we can grab this, if we can understand this in our home, it it could revolutionize the lives of our kids. In Genesis chapter 12, we see a huge example of this taking place, God blessing someone's future. He's talking to a man named Abraham, and listen to what he says. 
It says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Do you see here how God is giving Abraham this vision of his future? He's saying, listen, your future will impact the world. That through you, the world is going to be blessed. That's what blessing does. It it not only affirms and points out the good that's in the individual, it casts a vision for the future and says, listen, this is the difference you one day will make. And I want to ask all of us here this morning, myself included, did the kids in our lives see the particular good that God has put in them? And that it's not just for now, but it's going to impact their lives in the future as adults too. We have the opportunity as parents or influencers in the lives of children to create a culture of blessing, to speak life and blessing into them, to point out the good in them and to inspire them to realize who they one day will be because of it. But the reality is we are going to have to choose to be intentional in creating a culture of blessing. That's the first culture in our household. We're going to say, you know, I want this to be a household where blessing occurs. You know, here's another culture that I want us to think about this week as we're, we're looking at this whole idea of, of parenting, and that's to create a culture of forgiving. To create a culture of forgiving. Because when you think about it, what would you think is the most important skill in a relationship? Maybe some of you think in communication, listening, You know, the reality is, and an author by the name of Walt Wangerin points this out. In his book, As for Me and My House, he says the most important thing to be good at in relationships is forgiving. And it's true. If you're here this morning, you're a husband and a wife, you'll know that probably the thing that has has caused the most conflict in your marriage over the years, or the thing that's resolved the most conflict in your marriage over the years, is having that ability to forgive. It's huge. And if we're not willing to live a life of forgiveness, it will have consequences. So I believe that when it comes to the spiritual formation of our kids, it's essential to develop a culture of forgiveness in our homes. Now, I also think that when it comes to creating this culture of forgiveness, it always starts with the parents. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about the extending of forgiveness. I think sometimes we need to get good at asking for it as well. You know, I, I, I find that one of the biggest complaints teenagers have is that mom and dad don't ever admit that they are wrong. And I want to ask this, this morning, parents that are out here, are you good at asking for forgiveness? There have been times where I as a dad, even in the last seven days, knowing that I'm going to speak on this particular subject, I've had to sit down with one of my kids and say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have reacted that way. I shouldn't have jumped so quickly to a conclusion there. And, I, and I've had to, to look at one of my kids and, and ask them to forgive me. And that's really hard to do. I'll be honest. It's actually even harder to do without following up with another phrase. But if you would just have listened, or you did the, to actually just say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have responded that way. Do you know how to apologize and ask forgiveness from your kids. 
Because I think that a parent who can say to his or child, I'm sorry I was wrong, will you forgive me? Without justifying or excusing or following up with another phrase, that's a really powerful thing. Some people might perceive that as weakness, but I don't. I perceive it as strength. To be honest and transparent with your kids and say, hey, you know what? Sometimes even mom and dad get it wrong. You know, secondly, I want to ask, are you good at forgiving your kids? I don't mean overlooking stuff or letting stuff slide. I'm not talking about laughing stuff off and thinking, oh, boys will be boys or she's at that age. I mean dealing with the issue, giving the appropriate disciplinary consequences. But when it's something that was done against us, when it's something that maybe hurt us personally, to be willing to say, I forgive you. And then let the relationship resume without giving the silent treatment or bringing it up later or or throwing it back in their faces the next time they get out of line. We've not only got to get good at asking for forgiveness, we've got to get good at extending forgiveness. Because if you think about it, this is, this is huge. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, if you're here this morning and you've made that decision to, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, the very foundation of our relationship with God is that God forgave us. The very foundation of everything that we believe in is that God's grace takes care of our mistakes and wrongdoings and flaws and failures. And for kids to learn grace, they need to experience it over and over again. Again, please hear what I'm saying here. This isn't suggesting that we need to be permissive. Now, there's always going to be times where we have to come in and say, listen, there is a consequence to that action. What you just did, there is a punishment. But we just need to learn to become great at forgiving. A guy by the name of Peter, one of the apostles, he, he wrote a letter. And in 1 Peter 4 verse 8, he says that love covers a multitude of sins. And really, that's exactly what forgiveness is all about. The, the idea that it still acknowledges the wrongdoing, but it takes care of the negative effects of it. And maybe for some of us, as we're thinking about that, we're like, you know, in all reality, as I look at my week in, week out, do do I have a culture of forgiveness in my home? Because if you're here this morning and Jesus is the Lord of your life, you are living in the grace that Jesus forgave you. And we need to learn to receive grace and we need to learn to live out of grace. We need to extend grace to all of those around us. So here's the third culture that I want us to talk about this morning. We've talked about the culture of blessing, of speaking life and just encouraging our our kids. The culture of forgiveness. But this third one is to create the culture of spiritual rhythms. To create a culture of spiritual rhythms. So let me explain what I mean by that. You know, a third way I think that we can really help our kids become great is to establish a culture of regular spiritual rhythms in our households. Spiritual rhythms are practices that we do on a regular, predictable, reliable basis in our home. And we touched on this a little bit last week. I want to dig a little bit deeper into it this week. So here's an example. Um, uh, A spiritual rhythm could be coming as a family to connect church every Sunday morning. This could be a spiritual rhythm in your home. Now, I know there are times when you're on vacation or maybe you're, you're out of town for one reason or another, but, but when you're home and when you're available to, having that spiritual rhythm and saying as a family, you know, we're going to go to church this morning, that's creating a spiritual rhythm in the life of your son or in your daughter. 
And one of the things I love about Connect Church, Connect Kids, we've got some incredible workers back there, is we don't have to drag our kids kicking and screaming to church on a Sunday morning. In fact, let's be honest, there are some mornings when they drag us kicking and screaming because they just don't want to miss out. I've had conversations with Emma, my own daughter, who's, we're driving in the car, and she's like, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to get in Connect Kids and see what Mr. Mike's going to be up to this week. <laughs> Apparently, he has like, lots of different personalities and lots of different uh, characters he plays, and Emma's just genuinely excited to get to church and be a part of Connect Kids. And I love that. I love that our kids are excited to come to church. That's a really great thing. Because it makes it easier for us as parents to create that spiritual rhythm. You know, a second spiritual rhythm that can take place in our daily lives is is to create that culture of spiritual formation in the lives of our kids through spiritual conversation. So here's what I mean by by spiritual conversation. I'm not talking about some kind of heavy-duty lecture kind of in your face, like, okay, kids, everyone sit on the couch now. It's it's time for Dad to preach a sermon. Uh, We'll have the slides up on the TV here, so open your Bibles. Let's go now the next 45 minutes. Thus saith the Lord. Now, I'm talking about just, just general conversations with your kids, just talking about what you've learned about Jesus, what God means to you. And this isn't a new idea, This idea is thousands of years old. Listen to what Moses told the people of Israel. So this is thousands of years ago. He said in in Genesis, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. We talked about that last week. That's one of those great commandments. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. So basically what he's saying here is like just through your regular day, when you're at home, when you're getting up, when you're eating meals together, when you're out for a drive together, just talk about what God has done in your life. I love these words because even though they're thousands of years old, I think they're still perfectly applicable to us today in 2014. So there are so many ways we could take advantage of this. When we're at home, sitting around the dinner table, when we're out on the road driving in the the minivan or the SUV, just having those conversations, when we're putting our kids to bed at night and tucking them in, when we're getting them up in the morning, so many opportunities. But I know, I realize that for some of us this morning, you're like, but Dave, That's easy for you to say. You're the pastor of a church. What do I say to my kids? That's like pretty overwhelming to think that I'm responsible for like somehow um, communicating spiritual truths like Moses instructed to my children. All that weight on my shoulders. I get it. That's overwhelming. Check out this video clip. Allie? Hi, Daddy. Hi. What you doing? Just playing with my dolls. Oh, good, good. Listen, um, the other day you, you asked questions about babies and stuff. When you started sneezing. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. Okay. Good, good. Okay. Let me try to explain a few things. Okay, here's what happens. 
When a man and a woman love each other very much, they get married. And then sometimes they decide to make a baby. Why are there babies? Right, right. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Okay. What a man and a woman do is... No, I mean, I know that the man and the woman have to do something, but why are we born? Why has God put us here? <laughs> because that's what? <laughs> if we all go to heaven when we die, then why does God want us here first? Um, why does God want us here? Yeah, why? Why are we here, Daddy? Yeah, I heard you. I heard you. Okay. All right. Okay, you really want to know why God wants us here first? That's a good question. You see, God is up in heaven, and, well, honey, it's very crowded up there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and you don't want to be in heaven if it's crowded, right? I mean, remember when we went to Disney World, how crowded that was? Huh? I mean, it was fun, but it was too crowded, right? So God, he sends us down to earth for a little while to ease the heavenly congestion. <laughs> So maybe you've been like that. Maybe you kind of felt that pressure of like, what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? And they will. There'll be times when your kids will start to, to ask these, these tough, deep questions. And unfortunately, we've got some wonderful leaders next door in Connect Kids who are, who are training the kids and sharing stories of the Bible and helping to apply it in their lives. But what about when we find ourselves in those situations? You know, I heard of a, a lady once, fantastic story of this particular mom, and she really felt this burden that she wanted to be able to, to share things of God, share stuff from the Bible with her kids and tell them, but she really didn't feel like she knew enough. So she made this decision to, to get up every morning and she would read a story from the New Testament, from the life of Jesus, or maybe she'd read some kind of devotional book, just to learn something. And then that night, at bedtime, when she was putting her kids to bed, she would tell that story to her kids. So this lady's commitment was basically just to stay about 12 hours ahead of where her kids were at spiritually. But she just wanted to be able to, to teach them and train them. 
And we introduced you as parents last week to this, this thing we use called the God Time. And it's a great resource that you can use to, to, to pray with your kids or to talk to them. But don't be afraid. You know, when you're not sure of all the answers, you can ask someone in the church. You could ask a pastor. You could ask Alicia out there. But, but don't let that stop you from wanting to have those conversations, from talking to your kids, from praying with your kids. You know, praying with your kids is another great exercise. There's nothing better than sitting down with your kids and saying, hey, how can I pray for you? Do you know what your kids would say if you asked them that question today? Can you imagine how insightful that would be? You might get to find out a lot of what's going on in their hearts and their minds if you said, hey, how can I pray for you tonight? And they'll share things that are going on in their lives. You'll be able to pray with them. Maybe there'll come a day where they'll say, mom, dad, how can I pray for you? as they've seen prayer model before them, and they want to pray as well. But we're going to have to be intentional. We're going to have to create that culture of blessing. We're going to have to create that culture of forgiving. And, and at times, we're going to have to create that culture of having those spiritual rhythms in our life. And it's difficult, and it's tough, but it doesn't mean that we can't aim for that and work towards it. You know, the band are going to come back up here in a second. We're going to close out with a song. But as they come up and get ready, I want to tell you one last story of something that happened to me um, a couple of years ago. And it's really impacted me as a parent, especially when I think about that idea of that culture of blessing. I was at a banquet in Peoria. It was um, to honor a man by the name of Carl Cannon. Some of you may have heard of him. He works with teenagers in uh, the Peoria area, and he does a fantastic job, especially working with at-risk teens, teens who maybe because of the area in which they've grown up or the family or lack of family in which they've grown up, they are statistically headed for trouble. He takes those teens and he works with them on their attitude and their behavior, everything from manners to, to respect, and he turns the, life of those, the lives of those teens around. And schools throughout the Peoria area herald him as making a huge positive impact on the life of teenagers. Well, this banquet, they were honoring him, and he was sharing some stories of kids whose lives have been a change because of his, his program that he runs. And he had this one kid stand up. He says, hey, buddy, stand up. And this guy stands up, and he was about 18 years old. He goes, I want you to meet this young man here. When I first met him, he was in trouble. He was only 13 years old. He was already in trouble with the police. Things were going, and he's been a part of our program for the last five years. And he's about to graduate high school, and he's about to go off to college, the first person in his family ever to go off into college to study criminal law or, or criminal justice. And everyone started to clap, and, and he sat back down again. He goes, no, 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 I want you to stand up again. And the kid stands up, and he goes, hey, and the chief of police was there, a guy by the name of Chief Settensgard, I think his name is. He goes, hey, chief, I want you to look at this guy over here, because one day he's going to be doing your job. And everyone's like, hey, they're all clapping and everything. And, and that kid sat down. But as he sat down, he had this big, like, smile on his face because someone had said, hey, one day, that's who you could become. This is a young man who'd grown up in an environment where no one was telling him that. In fact, quite the opposite. The, the environment he grew up in, everyone was telling him, this is what you'll probably become. But this one guy said, no, one day you could be the chief of police. We have that power as parents. And I love that we have the opportunity, and it's so overwhelming. I'm a dad here saying, man, this scares me when I talk about this stuff. But I know that with God's help, we can do this. And I want to pray for you as parents this morning. We're going to close out. We're going to sing together. Um, but let's, let's make a goal together here during this series of parents and saying, God, I want to find the good in the lives of my kids. 
I want to aspire them. I want to say, hey, listen, one day I see you doing this. I see you becoming this. I'm sorry that I, I messed up there and, and creating those spiritual rhythms, whatever it needs to be, to be the parents we really want to be. Father, I pray for mums and dads first in this room, Lord who are struggling to raise kids, Lord, trying to do the best they can. And just the fact that they're here this morning means that there's a part of their parenting that believes that they would like their kids to know um, things of you, things of the Bible. They would like their kids to grow up knowing that you created them, you have a plan for them, and that they are special. And Lord, at times it's difficult for us. We make mistakes and we, we look back on a week and think, man, I really blew it this week. But I pray, Lord, that that wouldn't stop us from setting our sights high from saying, God, I want to, uh, from this point on, I want to keep aiming for the best I can. I pray for those here this morning that are, are not yet parents. Maybe they're, they're looking to start a family. Maybe it's difficult hearing all this talk of parenting, Lord. Just let them reflect back on their upbringing, Lord. Let them look to you as their heavenly father. For those, Lord, who maybe are parents, their kids have grown up and moved on, let them know there's another generation of kids. It could be nephews, nieces, grandkids, neighbors, kids here at Connect Church, that they still can impact with the wisdom and knowledge that they have. But Lord, we want to find that great greatness in those kids, and we want to help aspire them to become the great person that you created them to be. So help us all in that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.